Welcome back to the Electrify podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo, North America's largest EV festival coming to a major city near you. Welcome to the Electrify News Podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo, America's largest e-mobility festival coming to five major cities in 2022. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Electrify News Podcast. We are coming to you live from Long Beach at the Electrify Expo. I am, of course, Joe Boris. I'm on all of these, and we're going to talk to another Joe, Joe Constanty of New. Welcome. Hey, well, Joe, thanks for having me. Yeah, so, you know, for a lot of people, New might not be a, a very familiar company. It's not Ford. It's not DeLorean, right? But you know, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you guys do. That's a good question. Um, yeah, in America, we're not so well known just yet. Uh, yet. Yet. Uh, but uh, we sell more than a million vehicles a year. Um, the vehicles that we make, the best way to think about it is if Tesla and Vespa had a baby, that would be our core product. <laughs> That's a great line. Yeah. But, you know, you mentioned Vespa. And I think, you know, in North America, especially in Europe, Vespa is like the icon. Everybody understands what a Vespa is. But to put it into perspective, I think you guys sold more electric vehicles last month than Vespa did last year. I think globally we may even sell more electric mopeds, scooters in a week. No, in days than they in do days. than they did last yeah, year. Yeah, so what we're trying to get across for the listeners here is that this is a huge global company. Yeah, well, we, 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 we launched in China uh, nearly six, seven years ago, uh, yeah. to be exact, June 1st, 2015. And, Nobody, uh, not that we're counting. Yeah, it's, well, we, I, I just got an email from internal HR saying celebrating our, our seven-year anniversary. Well, wonderful. So that's what reminded Thanks for me. celebrating here with us. Yeah. And uh, since then, um, I've been uh, very fortunate to have been able to build a team and work with a couple other guys to build a team to go to more than 50 countries around the world. So uh, Europe, North America, South America, Southeast Asia, kind of have infiltrated all these markets. Um, we work with retailers and distributors in all those markets. We work with sharing operators, food delivery companies, providing them with vehicles. So not only do we sell direct to consumer, um, and also through retail shops, but we also do a lot of B2B business. Well, you have even some rental fleets in, in some areas. Yeah, I mean, here in the United States, uh, probably the biggest is Revel, uh, based out of New York. Yep. Uh, but then we work with another half, basically 20, 22 um, other sharing operators around the world. Uh, some big guys out of cities like Amsterdam, like Felix and, and Rycheck, and then Cabify out of the Spain. The list goes on. I mean, it's we work with... We supply pretty much every single major um, sharing operator of mopeds in the world. So that's really impressive. And one of the things that when we start talking about product, we start talking about the different features. And one of the features that is so cool about the new scooter, and, and full disclosure, I, I have one. So I feel like I can speak to this from a, <laughs> from right? a qualified place. <laughs> so, you know, you guys have the app. And it is connected, and it's constantly feeding vehicle data back to the factory, and the factory is getting all this data from now literally millions of these bikes. And this is not like a data play. You're not using this data to advertise to your customers. You're making the product better. Yeah, I mean, let me put a little caveat in, into what you just said. So all the data that's overseas, um, that's in the Americas and, and in Europe, sits on an AWS server, 
in Europe or in the United States, we'll be really, really clear about that. And then all of our data in China stays in China. Uh, we keep it very, very separate. And that's just by GDPR rules and a handful of other rules around the world. You, you do everything legit. Uh, I, I sure hope so. I, I've, I've worked a long time to make sure it was completely legitimate since my first days with the company in 2016. So, uh, But that being said is the data that we do collect and that we do have is really designed to, like you said, improve the vehicle. So really understanding how can we improve um, our, our FOC to improve the, you know, the, the efficiency of the motors or the battery packs and, and really trying to understand how people are using them in different user scenarios around the world. So unlike a lot of other companies that are making dumb scooters, dumb mopeds that are not connected. Uh, well, we call them dumb phones and smartphones, right? So it's a smart, smart scooter and, it, and a dumb scooter. If you're allowed to call it a dumb phone, yeah. You, you don't might. want to call it a flip scooter. We could. We could. Get it. Someone, get it. Someone has the razor of, of, of scooters Someone out there. Someone has the razor. Literally. Oh. But that, anyway, what I'm trying to, to say is that we, and like you already paraphrased for me, is that we're able to harness that data uh, in order to be able to improve our vehicles. and. Just like a Tesla, um, all of our vehicles can take an over-the-air update. Um, so a user so gets get, pushed. They get better when you have an update. So they the, get better over time. Yeah. yeah. So you buy a vehicle today, six months, actually probably three months, you'll get a, you'll get a, a notification for an update. That's awesome. So you know we're talking a lot about the moped-style scooters, the the Vespa-style scooters, uh, which are you know really motorcycles that can go 40 plus miles an hour, but. You've expanded your product line so much since 2016. You now have a motorcycle motorcycle. You've also gone the other direction where you have a commuter bicycle and the, the kick-style scooter. And I, I really want to talk about the motorcycle because I think that's probably the sexiest product. It's pretty sexy. But I think the one that, to me, really seems like the one that's going to replace a car is that e-bike because it is stout. It is. I think the... The one thing that surprises a lot of Americans with our e-bike is that it's just so minimal in design. A lot of the bikes that you see here from a lot of the other brands, which I actually really enjoy riding, uh, it, but they, they're a bit clunky, they're a bit bulky, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's very American design. It's very granola in, in many ways, which is okay. Um, but the design that we went with is very European, and the idea behind it is, is really to make a bike perform specifically for cities at a very affordable price. So like our bikes that you can see here on the booth, are, they're going to retail for around $2,000. And that's with you know, a kilowatt of battery um, and a nice 750-watt motor. It's something that is priced really, really intelligently that opens up the e-bike market to many, many new types of customers. So I, I think that's a huge product. I think that that's you know, really one of the bikes that's out there that you can look at and say that is a, that is a car replacement. That is going to be. be something I can use in the city and I don't need to take my car to the grocery store, things like that. So that's great. We've covered it. Now, the motorcycle. Yeah. Now, I thought this was a 45, 50 mile an hour, no, kind of like a 150 cc thing, but th this is, you're telling me 70, 75 plus. Yeah, I mean, it has, uh, it can cruise on the highway around 65 to 68, and then we have a boost function uh, that allows you to sprint it up uh, well over 70 uh, to get around traffic. For someone who's a motorcycle guy, for someone who's never really ridden an electric motorcycle, because it, it is a different animal than a car. It it's is. a totally different animal. Yeah. So where would you put the performance of, of the new bike? Would you call it a 250cc, a 500cc comparison? Well, because the top speed is, is under 80, it's still really in the 150cc 
bracket, to be honest with but you. The but acceleration. It's, the acceleration is very, very different. <laughs> so the acceleration is north of 200, so closer to 250 in terms of the, the raw power at the beginning. But that being said, is we're not that bike wasn't built to be a road beast. It was meant to be driven around cities um, and driven on certain highways around cities, especially European cities. And um, you know that's the performance you, you get from it. It's not going to outrun a live wire. Um, it's not designed to be. It's half the price um, of a live wire. So, but it's meant for a person who's living in a city that may have to do a slightly longer commute. But most of its most of his or her driving is done, you know, on surface roads and going around 30 to 50 miles an hour, and be able to do it comfortably on on a bike that's not too heavy. It's weighted really nicely and fairly easy to maneuver inside and out of traffic. So, one thing that I have not noticed. I probably should have talked to you about this beforehand. One thing that I have not really gotten into is the route planning yeah. and, and trip planning on these different bikes. Because, you know, when I do a trip on Google or I do a plan a route on Google, it, it doesn't give me the option of saying, oh, I'm on a motorcycle. I have a top speed of this. Are you guys working on something like that that, you know, can, can be more sort of suited to your vehicle? It's a great question, and I've been talking to Google since 2017 about this, and even back then they haven't even begun to figure out how to solve that problem. They seem totally uninterested. It's not that they're uninterested. It's, it's a fact that there's not enough government data out there for them to pool to be able to understand what, what uh, roads, what pathways are suitable for all these different formats of micromobility up to a motorcycle that only can go 80 miles an right. hour. Well, but that's a legitimate point. So uh, that kind of comes back to, you know, who has that data? Who has a million bikes that are out there <laughs> who's been collecting data for but seven years? But most of those years. bikes, well, we have two, over two million vehicles out there. Uh, but most of those bikes are sitting in China. So, um, and and in the, the user scenario in China is very different. Totally different. I mean, yeah. if, if you see just the YouTube videos of the intersections yeah. and everybody's going through on their bikes and Mass scooters. Mass chaos. Oh, it's so cool. It's controlled yeah. chaos. So, you know, one of the things that I want to get back to, and we talk a little bit about the company going back and forth, and we talk about China and Europe, you know, is the name of the company new, which yeah. is a, a Chinese word, but it's cool. Yeah. Well, it, in, in Chinese, um, the name of the company is Xiaonyo, and what that means is little bull. Little bull. Uh, little bull. And so if you want to go deep into our history, the idea is, is that ancient civilizations were born on the back of water buffalo and buffaloes to, to, to till the fields. And these would be the little buffaloes that moved through the cities of the world to help. Uh, wow. Yeah, that was so the, these are the little buffaloes. That's the metaphor we're going for. Wow. Yeah. So these are the analogy? little bulls yeah. that are going to shape the, civil, the foundation of the civilization of tomorrow. That's deep. And is that the goal, though? I mean, are you looking at this as a transformative thing where you're going to really build, you know, tens and tens of millions of these things? <laughs> That's a tough question to unpack. Um, I mean, is, that the, is it a blue skies goal, or are you looking at it and saying, well, our market size is going to be this much, and we're going to, you know, because it seems like a blue sky thing. Yeah, I mean, different markets, different products will fit into those uh, regions, and whether it's a kick scooter for the city of Paris and an e-bike for Los Angeles and a moped for uh, Bangkok, Thailand. You know, we really our our goal as a company is to build purpose-built vehicles for cities. Yes. And, and you know, every city has a different need. Every city is a little bit structured a little bit differently, and culturally has been set up around transportation a little bit differently than the next. And so, 
what's the real size of these markets? It's really tough to, to kind of get a firm picture on right now, but to give you some perspective, in China, 26 million electric mopeds slash e-bikes are sold every year. Every year. Wow. So to put that into perspective, we're going to sell right around 14 million cars, trucks, and SUVs in the United States this year. Right. They sell twice the amount just of bikes and mopeds. Just of bikes and mopeds. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's a big business. So there's a long way to go, not only in Asia, uh, but you know, transforming you know, car-dominant cultures of Europe and America to two-wheelers, it's, it's, a, it's a long-term strategy that's yeah, but there's multiple at. factors at play, right? And I know that, you know, we talked about this in Industry Day at our, in, at our live event. We had the Industry Day, and you were on a panel for the 15-minute city. Right. But there's multiple factors. So, number, you know, number one factor is I think there is an environmental consciousness that didn't exist 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But I think also with the rising cost of vehicles, the rising cost of fuel and energy, and the third factor, which is the trend of more urbanization and people going out of the suburbs and back to these walkable cities, you have all of these things kind of combining to a perfect storm yeah. for your product. Absolutely. You know, I think one thing, one thing that I said on the panel, and I'll, I'll repeat it here because I think it's worth noting, is that when it comes to electrification of four wheels, two wheels, um, we have to remember that electrifying a four-wheel vehicle, a car, it still takes six to ten times more energy to move you one mile as compared to using one of our electric mopeds or anyone's electric bike that's right. selling here. And that's, and that's just physics. You're moving a 5,000-pound car exactly. instead of a 500-pound scooter. Exactly. So I think the transition of four wheels to two wheels by consumers is a combination of becoming a little bit more aware of that fun fact, let's say, but also understanding that you know these two wheels are comfortable and are very utilitarian at the same time, where you can go grocery shopping with an e-bike, um, and then also I, you know we, we have to push on local governments a bit more to really lay the foundation infrastructure to allow bikes and kick scooters and mopeds to have a right of way in cities around America and around Europe. Well, and not only a right of way, but in some places a priority. I mean, if you really want to affect change, you you have to say, okay, instead of giving 80% of the pavement to cars, we're going to give 60% to cars and we're going to give 20% of it to to mobility products. Absolutely. Absolutely. you know, I, I, I don't want to wrap this up because I'm having a good time and we haven't even talked about the kick scooters that I love and, and all the other <laughs> stuff that you're doing. <laughs> Are you going to give it back someday? We'll, we'll get it back someday. But so how can people who are coming to the show experience your products? You're at the, uh, you're at the ride event. You're at the demo event. Yeah, we have a demo uh, here. Uh, we have all of our products on demo. Our, so our e-bikes. Oh, so the motorcycle, the e-bikes. Except the motorcycle. Uh, the motorcycles haven't arrived in America just yet, but all of our other vehicles, so our kick scooters, our e-bikes, uh, and all of our mopeds, even our quicker mopeds that go about 68, 70 miles per hour. So I want to bring that up because so a lot of people, you may not be familiar. And you can demo them all here, sorry. We can demo them all, beautiful. A lot of people who are not scooter guys and, or gals and don't understand this, there are electric scooters out there where you open up underneath the seat and the batteries are there. Yours are a little bit different. Your batteries are all kind of under the frame and your underseat storage is still a good storage space. It's a combo. Some of our vehicles are on the floor, some of them are under the seat. So it really depends on what vehicle you're looking at. On so, what model, right? Yeah. So, and then we also, all of our bikes come standard with the ability to put on 
tail boxes they, for storage of groceries or gym bag or whatever it might be. So depending on what vehicle you're buying or riding with us, you have an opportunity to put ample storage. Yeah, and helmet locks, things like that, it's all standard. Absolutely, it's all there. Now, and as we're talking about helmet locks to secure your helmet, the bike itself is secured. You have a lot of anti-theft and sort of you know, investment protecting software in there. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a, from, since day one, right? All these vehicles are app connected, like you said at the very beginning. Yep. Um, and what that provides a user is they know where their bike is at any time. They know the state of charge. If it's getting moved, they get an alert sent to their phone directly by SMS and also by an in-app message. Yeah, my so, wife tried to take my scooter while I was here, <laughs> and I got the I got the notification. True story. Years ago, I, I had my my scooter stolen, um, and I, I watched it get stolen because I wasn't home to come out and see it. And we tracked it down and pulled it right back. So it's, it, these things actually do work. I mean, your vehicle can be stolen, so you want yeah. some hardware and software on well, there. We to don't want to talk about the negative aspects of vehicle ownership, but at, at the end of the day, you have an infinitely better chance of getting it back if you know where it is. Uh, it's, it's pretty helpful. That, 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 is, that is for sure. And it also makes, it, it's, it's great because it reduces insurance fees and a handful of other things when you own a vehicle with this type of um, uh, connectivity. Well, listen, you, you, Joe, you've been awesome, and thank you for coming out with us and, and talking to us about this. I know I've been trying to get a hold of you for a while now. and, and just Yeah, well, I'm finally made it over here to, uh, to, to L.A., so it's, thank yeah, you very much for having me. So, uh, you know, obviously people who want to follow what you're doing, who want to see the latest products that you have, who want to know when the motorcycle is going to come out, how can they follow along? How can they be a part of what you're doing and support what you're doing? Um, pretty simple. You just go to new.com. That's N-I-U.com. You can find everything about us there, our, our social media, any products, every the store finder for any stores anywhere in the world. You can find it all right well, and there. And that's a, that's a good thing to close with. So there's a lot of companies where the only way to buy their product is online. You actually have dealers. Someone can go, you know, someone who's here from out of town can go to their store and their local dealership and actually see one of these. Absolutely. That's, I mean, we, like I said earlier, we have over 1,300 stores that sell our product around the world. Wow. In America, we have around 100. We have a number of flagship stores. We actually have a flagship store here in Los Angeles, up in Hollywood. Do we want to give them a plug? What's... Uh, yeah, I mean, they've been helping us a ton. So they're on, I want to say, Olympic Boulevard. Uh, yeah, that'll be in the edits. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's awesome, Joe. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Thanks for being here. Thanks for letting us demo the products. And uh, you've just been absolutely awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Electrify News Podcast, brought to you by the Electrify Expo, coming to five major cities in 2022. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all the latest in e-mobility news and updates. Thanks for listening to the Electrify podcast brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo. Be sure to catch full video episodes on YouTube at Electrify TV and follow along on social media for daily clips and more.